Am I doing it right? Yes? Sweet, so y'all can hear me? Yes? Cool, cool. So, my name is Daniel, for those of you that don't know me. Um, I'm the intern here at STS. Dude, I can hear my, that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, so I'm the intern here at STS, and I'm going to be talking to y'all today about Jesus. Um, that's what we do here at church, um, most of the time at least. Can I stand here? Is that... Cool? All right, sweet. So, yeah, my name's Daniel. I'm going to be telling you about Jesus, and specifically, we're going to be looking um, at the fall and how sin came into the world and why that's an issue. So, um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at a couple verses. The first one is Romans 5.12. Mark that somehow. And then the second one is Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. So a little bit about me, um, I have to tell y'all something, like confess to y'all, um, I like to keep it real, um, the staff here knows that I keep it real sometimes too much, but, um, <laughs> but something about me, y'all, um, this is serious, and I struggle a lot, Charlie, I struggle a lot, I'm tripping on all kinds of chords, I struggle a lot with sin, um, so you know those candy bucket things at Publix that have like all these different little candy things in there and you go in and you're supposed to take out the ones that you want, put it in a bag, and then go pay those things? Maybe they don't have that. But when I was, back when I was in first grade, um, oh so long ago, um, I went to the store for second grade. I went to the store with my parents and they're here somewhere, I think. And... Um, I would go into the store, I'd walk over to the little bucket thing, I'd like look around, make sure no one's watching, I'd like just take one, slip it in my pocket, and then try to walk off. And so um, it was always little caramel things that they had with the little icing thing in the center, I loved that back in the day. And um, that's stealing, in case y'all don't know that. That's <laughs> um, I should have gone to jail, first grader jail. Um, if that's a thing. But like, y'all, my parents didn't teach me how to do this. Um, they're out there if you go talk to them afterwards and you were like, yo, did you teach Daniel how to be a thief? Is that like in y'all's family history? They'll tell you no. Um, they'll be like, no, we didn't, we didn't do that. Um, our parents don't teach us how to be bad. Um, that comes naturally. Um, I'm sure that y'all have kind of similar stories. Um, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all disobeyed our parents somehow. Um, some of us mess up worse than others, but that doesn't change the fact that we've all sinned and that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But this, this sin thing is an issue. Um, it's not good. So like, why does, why does this happen? Jim, why does this happen? Great question. I'm glad you asked me that. Why is this? Our parents didn't teach us to be bad, so why do we do these things? And the answer to that is sin. All right? Sin and the sin nature that we are all born with. That's why when we are born, we don't have to learn how to be bad. We don't have to learn to steal. We don't have to learn to say no to our parents. We don't have to learn to um, be disrespectful and all that stuff. It comes naturally. And that comes from the verses that we're going to look at right now. So Romans 5:12. it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. So basically what that verse is saying is that sin, 
all this bad stuff that we experience now, that came into being because of a man. That's what Paul is telling the Romans. So keep that in mind. And then now let's look at Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 7. Hey, there we go. Charlie's paying attention. I appreciate that, man. Sweet. So it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from the she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So, what we get from that little passage there is that Eve was talking to this serpent thing, and then she eats the fruit first and gives it to Adam. That sounds like Eve sinned first. Um, so what's, this, what's Paul talking about when he says, therefore sin entered through a man? Those, those things seem to be um, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? There we go. Contradictory. Um, so one of the uh, kind of arguments against Christianity and the Bible that I've heard at least is that I can't believe this book. This book is not accurate because it's full of contradictions. Um, like this one, that, that's obvious. Um, what is the Bible talking about? They're disagreeing, and therefore this book cannot be trusted. We might as well just throw it out and um, not regard it. But there's a misunderstanding that um, I've kind of found that people misunderstand this kind of concept um, about where we get sin from. It's like, was it Adam? Was it Eve? Why does it say man here, but Eve ate first? So, we can't look at this one little section, verse 6 or whatever it is, and say, oh, look, Eve ate the fruit, and now that means she's, she's this, she caused sin. All the death, all the natural disasters, all the disease, every single bad thing that happens now is because of Eve. That is not correct. Um, it's important that we don't base our faith on kind of like a brief summary, a brief like skimming of the word, like, oh, that's what that says, that, that must be what it means. Um, you have to look at the entire Bible in context, seeing what it communicates, seeing what it teaches about this passage here. So once we understand it, then you'll be like, oh, well, that makes sense. That's cool. I understand this now. At least that's what happened to me when I was reading this. Reading this. So let's look at Genesis 3.1. Genesis 3.1. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? So right here, we see that the serpent is trying to create in Eve doubt. She wants Eve to doubt God and everything that he's promised. He wants Eve to doubt God's character. So like, wants her to start thinking, well, maybe... Maybe this, this, this snake thing's right. Don't you think it's kind of cool that he could just like talk to animals? That's, 
I thought that was interesting. Like, if I could communicate with animals like that, I would all the time. But um, just not snakes. I don't like that. Or spiders or bugs of any kind. Um, they freak me out, dude. It's bad. Yeah, I'm not feeling scorpions. Not feeling that. <laughs> I would tell them to leave if I could talk to them. Yeah, so we see that Satan, the serpent, is trying to create in Eve these doubts. She wants, he wants her to be thinking like, you know, God doesn't have the best in mind for you. God is keeping something to himself that he doesn't want you to have. You could have a better life. This, there's more to your life than this. And then she's like, oh, well, maybe, uh, maybe that's right. Maybe God is holding out. Maybe there is something that he isn't giving me. Maybe if I eat this fruit, then I'll, I'll have something else. And like, yes, now I'm, I'm more like God. Um, and y'all, Satan does the exact same thing today. It's, it's insane. It's been thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Mark can tell you this. <laughs> Over thousands and thousands of years that, y'all, Satan uses the exact same the exact same tactics, the exact same techniques that he used back in the garden, he uses the same things now. He wants us to think, y'all, this Christian thing, that's, that's not a big deal. That's not a big deal. Um, following Christ, who has time for that? He's telling you to die. He's telling you not to have worldly pleasures. Like, what's the point in that? What is this heaven thing? Where is this God? You can't see him. All of these doubts, he's speaking to you, telling you to doubt God, doubt God's character. And we see that started all the way back in the Garden of Eden. So there's nothing new under the sun, y'all. So hopefully that after this, we'll, we'll know how to kind of approach these attacks by him better. That's Genesis 3.1, and the serpent is trying to get Eve to doubt God. Cool? Cool. Genesis 3.6, that's the next little passage we're going to be looking at says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it, she took from its fruit, and she ate, and she also gave to her a husband, and he ate. So Eve ate the fruit first, she sinned, and death, disaster, disease, all that stuff is because of her. No, that's not right, Charlie. That's not right. I saw you shaking your head a little bit. In your head, you were shaking your head. I saw that. All right, so that's not how it works. So earlier in Genesis, so chapters 1, 2, um, chapter 2 specifically, God tells Adam to keep and to protect the Garden of Eden. So he's placed, um, basically, he's like the king of creation, like a lowercase k. He was placed in command over creation. So when this whole thing went down, Adam could have been like, yo, snake, leave. That, that's, that's a possibility. And the snake would have had to go. You have to listen to the one that God has put in command of the garden. Say, oh, yeah, my bad. And just slither out or walk out, whatever he does. However snakes roll back in those days. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Um, yes, I'm the king, but I'm just going to stand here and watch my, watch my wife be tempted. That's... That's not cool. That is not relationship goals. God spoke to Adam. Another thing, God spoke to Adam firsthand. So just like how I'm talking to you, Austin, I almost called you Tyler again, dude. <laughs> Austin, just like how I'm talking to you, that is how God talked to Adam. They were talking together. And God said, look, 
I need you to take care of this stuff and don't eat that one tree. Don't eat the fruit from that one tree. That's it. That's all you got to do. Whatever you do, don't eat the fruit from that one tree. And he had a direct command from God. And as we see, he fails to do anything about that either. He sees Eve being tempted, just standing there. He's like, oh, um, I shouldn't eat that. He sees his wife being tempted to do the one thing that God told him not to do, and he just stands there. He just stands there and lets her face it on her own. That, again, is not relationship goals. So, another thing, as Eve's husband, he has a duty, a responsibility to protect her and watch over her, which includes watching over her when she's being tempted to protect her from temptation and sin like what was happening in the garden at that time. So, as we know by now, he's just standing there watching this conversation taking place between Satan and his wife, and he fails to do anything. So he fails on hardcore, like hardcore fail. Um, That's kind of embarrassing. So I can kind of picture like Eve standing there talking to the serpent. She's like, yo, this this is weird. I shouldn't be doing this. Looks over to Adam, and he's like, what? Oh, no, carry on. So it's like oblivious, completely oblivious. Or he's just like, I don't, I don't care. You do you, do you Eve. Um, it's up to you. You're, you're smart. You can figure it out. And um, Adam should have and could have done something to stop the situation, to prevent this from happening. Um, he has a responsibility as the king of creation, lowercase k. Again, he didn't create things. He was placed in charge over it. As that role, he had the authority to tell the the serpent to leave. God spoke to him firsthand, telling him what to do and not to do. So just obey God and tell your wife, no, God told me not to do this. Let's go. Let's go on a walk somewhere on a beach, if that's, if they have beaches in Eden. And then as a husband, man, he fails again. Like, dude, you're slipping hardcore. Um, So he should have done something, and he didn't. Adam was the leader of that family. He was the head of that kind of um, area, and he doesn't do anything. So he's responsible not only for Eve's sin, because he should have done something about that. God never talked to Eve directly. There's no record in here where it says God said to Eve, whatever, whatever. God told Adam, so Adam had a responsibility for Eve to tell her and teach her what God had told and taught him. So he doesn't do that. So he is responsible for Eve's sin, and then Adam also goes and eats it. He's like, oh, well, you did it. I might as well too. Forget what God says. He did not provide adequate protection for his wife or his family, and that eventually led to her sin and his sin. So I'll give you an example. Um, Charlie. All right, look, so I'm trying to rob a bank, and you're my getaway driver. So I go in, rob the bank, hold the gun, shoot something, and um, steal money, walking out, and there you are sitting in the car, and then we drive off. So um, you weren't the one that robbed the bank. You were just sitting out in the car. Um, Eve, Adam, what am I saying? I don't know. Good question. Um, Adam is kind of equivalent, I guess, to Charlie. He saw something. He saw sin about to take place, but he did nothing about it. He could have done, Charlie could have been like, yo, dude, um, 
don't do that. I'm not going to help you. But he didn't. He could have had a, you know, revelation as I'm in the bank. I shouldn't be doing this and drive off. He didn't do that. Same thing with Adam. He could have done something to stop the situation, but he didn't. So his inaction in that circumstance makes him just as guilty as Eve. Even though Adam didn't eat the fruit first, he's held responsible for bringing sin into the world. Because of his passivity and lack of leadership, he couldn't handle his family. He, couldn't, he didn't know what he was doing. So that's on him. This whole, this whole thing is on him. So that's great. Um, but what does that have to do with you? Like, what do you do with that? That's Adam. Why, why am I still sinful? Why do I have this nature? Um, so that's the thing that we talk about a lot in church. Like, we were born sinners. Um, we're born needing a savior and stuff like that. Uh, that's great. But like, why is that? Um, so I've always, I always wondered that Honestly, because it's like, I don't like just, oh, because it, it says so. Like, really, explain this to me. Um, and no one really did that. So um, I'm trying to explain to you why we inherit this sin nature. That doesn't really seem fair. Adam's sin, not me. So like, why, why am I going to be charged with this? And the answer that, to that question, why we inherit sin, the answer is because of the nature of sin, the characteristics of sin is what makes it um, kind of pass on to us. So y'all, sin isn't just, you know, like bad habits that we have. Like, oh man, I, I really shouldn't do that. Um, I know it should stop, but it's not a really big deal. Um, sin is a huge issue. I was going to try to do the huge thing like Ryan, but I, I can't do that. Huge! Um, so yeah, it's a serious issue, and the only way, it's so serious, the only way that it can be paid for is through death. That's a, that's a pretty big thing. Um, but so why, why does something have to die? Why does someone have to die? That doesn't, that doesn't seem fair. Um, why can't God just like forgive us? Why can't God just forgive? Um, and that's because God is just. So sin has to be paid for. If he just ignored it, God would cease being just, and then he would cease being perfect, and God wouldn't be God if he were not completely just. Cool. Do you understand that? Yes? No? Yes. Charlie, again, shaking your head. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so God is just, and he requires that sin be paid for, and that's why sin requires death. That's the penalty of sin. Romans 6, 23 tells us the wages of sin, what we earn from sin, what Adam earned with his sin is death. So we're going to, let's look at that a little bit more. So when Adam sinned, he corrupted his nature. So he was, he was good before. God said he was very good. But now he's sinful. All right, so what happens, what happens there? Um, he, God just doesn't ignore it. It's like, oh, Adam, it's, it's just a small mistake. All you did was eat fruit. That's not a big deal. Um, that, that isn't an option. Um, so when Adam sinned and disobeyed God, he brought about physical death, but he also brought about spiritual death. Physical death, Adam wasn't going to die before this point in time, um, but now he's going to die. That's, that's the consequence of sin. But also, this sin separates him from God. So what, what can kind of bring him back together? Um, why? What can bring him back together? Death. By what? So what did God use 
to cover their sin. Before that, we understand that sin is a big deal. Yes, it requires death. Yes, cool. So why is it passed on? Like, I don't understand why it's passed on. Yes, Adam deserved to die. He was guilty. Why do I deserve to die? Why am I destined for separation from God because of Adam? Why, why is that a thing? And again, the nature of sin. Y'all, a lot of times we think that sin is personal and that sin is private, and that's not true at all. Like Adam's sin, we have sin, and like Adam's sin, it doesn't just affect ourselves. It didn't just affect him. Sin has a community impact. So imagine like you're at a lake that's completely still, and you throw a rock in it, right? And then you see ripples and stuff like that. And then maybe there's a duck in the water, you scare it off. Maybe there's some fish under there and they swim away. That's all because of your one action. So that's all because of that one action. Sin is the exact same way. You may think that it's not hurting anyone else. You may think that, you know what, it's, this is on me. Um, no one's going to know about this, so I'm, I'm fine. I'll, I'll get away with it. But y'all, that's not true at all. It's not true at all. You can't plant sin in your life. You can't just secretly plant sin and then expect to get fruits of the Spirit like we just talked about. That's not how that works. You will reap what you sow. So if you're sowing sin in private, you're going to get sin on the other end. You will reap what you sow, and what you sow will affect other people. You can't hide the characteristics that you're planting now. Um, other people will see that, and um, most of the time, the sin that you have, when you sow that, it's negative and it's not good, and you don't want to, don't want to be sowing that. So, like our sin, Adam's sin didn't just affect him; it affected all of creation forever. Same thing with us. Our sin doesn't affect just us; it affects everyone around us. You may not be able to see it now, like Adam did; he was cursed and got thrown out of the garden. We may, not, we may not be able to see it right now, but you will reap what you sow, and that affects other people. So when, like, when God cursed the ground, he didn't just curse it for Adam. He's not the only one that had a hard time trying to grow corn and stuff. Everyone after him, all of creation, was not ruined, but was affected by Adam's sin. So now, when we are born, we inherit this sin nature that's passed on from Adam because his sin doesn't just affect him, it affects everyone after him. This corrupted nature that he has is passed on to us. So now when we are born, we are born with a spiritual DNA that is in rebellion to God, and that's an issue. Born with a spiritual DNA that is in rebellion to God. And the... What we deserve for that, the wages of sin, is what, Charlie? Death. Death. Yes, exactly. So because we have this, this sin nature in rebellion to God, and the wages of sin is death, you can kind of understand that we are guilty and we deserve death. That's kind of a, that's a big deal. And that's unfortunate, but there's good news in that. That's kind of depressing if it just ended there. 
But like Ryan talks about this all the time, but God, but God, but God. He didn't just leave Adam there hanging. He, he did something for him. But what did Adam do when he realized that he had sinned? What was their initial response to sin? If you look at the verse, it says that they went, hid themselves, and then covered themselves with fig leaves. Like, you're going to hide from God and fig leaves. That's, that's cute. Um, <laughs> that's not going to work. You can't really hide from God. Like, he knows everything. So we think that's kind of, I thought that was funny. Like, man, y'all are, y'all are dumb. Why are you hiding from God? That's <laughs> and you're going to put fig leaves on? Yeah, that's, that's going to work. But y'all, we do the exact same thing. We do the exact same thing. We hide from God, we're running away from God, and we try to cover our sins. We try to cover all the sin in our life with a number of different things. So entertainment, just kind of push it away. Anger, we're angry all the time. Social media, money, friendships, whatever it is. All these things are idols in our life, and these are all fig leaves that we use to cover ourselves, to cover our sin, to cover our shame, because we don't want God to look at us. We don't want to disappoint God. So what do we what do? Because do? the fig leaves weren't going to work. That's not going to pay for sin, and that's not going to effectively cover you. So what did God do? He didn't just leave Adam and Eve where they were in the garden. He didn't just kick him out, kill him, like he, he could have done that. That would have been just. So what did he do instead? He took an animal, killed that, and then he made clothes for Adam and Eve. He made clothes out of an innocent animal to cover their sin. The animal didn't do anything wrong. It's just chilling. Then one day God says, come here, buddy. Ah! <laughs> I thought that was funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so the animal did nothing wrong. It was innocent. And he killed that to make a covering for sin. So the penalty for sin, death, has been paid, and our sins, their sins, were covered with the blood of that animal, with the skin of that animal. And y'all, he does the exact same thing for us. He does the same thing for us with Jesus Christ. Jesus was innocent. He did nothing wrong, ever, at all. All he did was heal people, bless people, heal people from their sickness, blindness, disease, everything. He gave people hope. And then what, what happens? He dies. He's killed. And we're covered with his blood. We were deserving of death just like Adam and Eve. We have sinful natures, and because of that, we're supposed to be killed and separated from God forever. But God, he doesn't just leave us there hanging. This is the cool thing about, about Christianity. Um, most other religions say you must do these things in order for God to love you. But Christianity says God intervenes and did for you what you couldn't do yourself. There's nothing that Adam and Eve could have done to make themselves clean. They could have got more fig leaves. Like, what's that going to do, though? They're, the price hasn't been paid. We were deserving of death and separation from God forever. But God... But God provides a way for our sin to be covered, and that is through Jesus Christ. We just sang, I wrote this down just now here, he never sinned, Jesus never sinned, but suffered as if he did. That suffering was the suffering that was in store for us. That was for me, that was for Charlie, that was for Jim, that was for Caleb. That's what we deserved, what Jesus got. But he paid the price for our sin. He was the perfect sacrifice 
so that now when we believe in that, our sins are covered and we're, we're clean. So what do we do with that? How, how do we respond to that? That's cool. But like Dr. Youssef, he's doing his uh, series now, like how do we live now? What do we do because of that? And the answer is live in victory over sin. That, that sounds really easy. Um, I wish it were as easy as it sounded. Um, so for those of us who've been covered by the blood of Christ, we're no longer slaves to sin. So Adam and Eve, they were slaves to sin, deserving death. We were slaves to sin, deserving death. But then God intervened and provided Jesus so now that when we believe in him, we're covered by his blood. Hebrews tells us that when we believe in Christ, we have power over sin. We have power over sin. So like, that's, that's great. Um, what does that mean? Um, you're not slaves anymore. You don't have to sin. You're, it's, you have this new nature. We've been made new. We talked about that a whole bunch. You've been made new. Live like it. You're not, throw out the old self. That's gone. That's dead. You've been made new. You've been made alive. But y'all, so many times, so many times, I know I do this too, so many times we act like we're still slaves. We've been free, but we're still slaves. I saw um, a movie uh, last week. It's called Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It's about these three dudes who are part of a chain gang and just tells about their adventures and stuff. But basically, you can picture sin as um, like shackles around your feet and around your wrists. Like you can't, you can't just undo that. That's not going to work. But then Jesus comes in with a key. Hey, you're free to go. Free to go. When we believe in Christ, we're no longer slaves to that. But so often, so often we're over here like, oh, nope, got to put these things on again. Got to put these on. And then it's like, oh, we're, we're enslaved. I can't do anything. No, y'all, you're free from sin. You're free to run after Christ and pursue Christ with everything that you have. You can do it. Y'all can do it. You're free to run after him. Is it hard? Is, going, is following Jesus hard? Is running after him with everything that you have hard? Yes, it is. You can look at the lives of all the disciples, Paul, Christians throughout history. Y'all, their lives weren't easy. Following Christ isn't easy. But y'all, I told y'all this last time I think I spoke. When I was in India, I would tell these people, like, just because you believe in Christ won't make your life easy. You won't be healthy. It doesn't guarantee that you'll be healthy. It doesn't guarantee that you will have money. But the promise of Christ, the rewards, the benefits of following Christ and being in a relationship with him is worth more than anything and everything that the world can offer you. It is worth more than anything and everything that the world can offer you. So yes, following Christ is hard. Jesus never said it would be easy. Um, but you can do it. You can do it. You guys can do it because you're not running alone. Y'all aren't running alone. That's another thing that the enemy wants to get in your head. Like you're the only one doing this. You're the only one living for Christ. He wants to isolate you and that's how he wins. Y'all, we can't let him win. Y'all, we're, we're doing this together. Nice. <laughs> Y'all, we're doing this, this Jesus thing. We're following Christ together. We are here for you. The staff here, parents, 
people at the church, your friends. Y'all, we're here for you. Guys, this is home, all right? And y'all, you are loved more than you will ever know by God first, but also y'all by us and your parents, guys. So um, I want to encourage you with that. We've been set free from sin. We're free to follow Christ with everything that we have. It's going to be hard, but y'all, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. I'm going to pray, and then we'll head up to church. Father God, thank you for this day. Uh, Thank you for allowing me to speak today. Um, Father, I pray that anything that isn't of you, Lord, would be thrown out. Um, God, again, I just... (laughs) I thank you for this opportunity. It's awesome. Um, I pray that, Lord, you would, you would encourage us. You would help us run after you because, Father, there's nothing else worth living for. Everything else that we strive for other than you is temporary, and, God, that'll pass away. That'll all pass away. So, Father, um, I pray that everyone here would be encouraged. I pray that um, they would be an encouragement to one another, that they would stir one another up in love. Father, and encourage each other to run after you with everything that they have. Father, I love you and I thank you. I pray this in your name. Amen.